truth, perspective, and growth. This is the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. It is not, it does not turn out well for me. And the whole point is that God's grace is meant to be transformative. And it, it really is transformative. It's like if you, if you have you know, ex- experienced God, God's grace, um, it, it really does stuff in your life. It really goes and you know, changes us. Well, I have an amazing guest with me. Um, this has been a, a, a show that I've been waiting probably for a few months and excited to, to get him on here. I have Dr. Matthew Thomas with me. He is an author. He is a teacher. He's a Christian and a father, I believe. And, and are you a father? And I am. A, that's, that's why I have the bags under my eyes currently. I see. Yeah. <laughs> it all is making sense to me right now. Yeah. But, but, uh, but Matthew, man, uh, Thank you so much. I know I know your time is limited. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to be, be on here. It means a lot to me to have you re- reach out and everything. So thank you for, for making it possible. Well, it's all my honor, man. And I'm excited to talk about a book that you just put out. Uh, the title of the book is Paul's Works of the Law in the Perspective of Second Century Reception. Some of you may be like, okay, what? What did what what does that mean? And we're gonna get all into what that means and everything I'm like impressed. that. I'm impressed you can say that in one breath, by the way. For a lot of folks, it takes it takes two or three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was practicing before we got on the phone. So um but uh before before we dive into the book, which I'm really excited about, by the way, um l- why don't you tell us a couple of things about yourself, um, where you're from, what you do, and kind of what you know, what you're passionate about in life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm from California originally. And, uh, so kind of grew, grew up around here, then all over the place, uh, and just kind of going back and forth between parents and stuff. And, um, I became a, became a believer at you know pretty young age, uh, when I was, I was going to, going to fourth grade. And, um, so went, uh, ended up going to Pepperdine university and then, uh, came back from there and started working in, in inner city ministry and just, you know, felt a, that kind of called it to ministries. I've gr- grown up, I had uh, my, my range of ex- experiences growing up uh, gave me a lot of points of contact with kids in the inner city. And so, uh, you know, having, having become a, you know, a Christian at, at a young age and seeing the, the impact on my life, it was something where, you know, for me that being able to work in a con- context like that with, you know, with, with young people who had, had had, you know, kind of similar stuff, a lot of experiences, um, you know, it was really, really, you know, a dream, a dream come true. And it still is kind of where my heart is at from, you know, ministry standpoint. Um, I, I just got off the friend, phone with my friend, John, John, who's one of, one of the kids who came, came up in our, our, our program was, you know, one of my closest friends now. So, yeah, so we, it's anyway, so that's, that's kind of where, uh, what my own ministry, you know, con- context is, um, I, uh, went up to, to Regent college and studied, studied there and did master's work and then, um, met my wife there, Leanne. And so, uh, we were, got, got married and then moved, moved to England and studied at Oxford doing the doctorate over there in uh, new Testament and patristics, um, and looking at this, this question. So looking at in the, these debates between your, your old perspective on Paul, your new perspective on Paul, um, and specifically looking at, you know, the, the, the question of works of the law. So what is it that, that Paul is rea- reacting against 
um, the project that, you know, I was doing, but I just, you know, got interested in when I was a master's student is how did the early church understand this? Hmm. And, you know, how can studying what the early church, you know, understood in this area, how can this help us to understand what, you know, what, what Paul says, says better. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that was, that was my, my, my doctorate, which then turned, uh, into a, a book, which, uh, was very expensive <laughs> and, uh, now InterVarsity is, um, thankfully release, releasing in a much less expensive form, which I actually have one of the early, early copies of it right here. So, mm. uh, the, um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, coming out on the 20th has a, you know, a new forward and um you know a new new preface and, and stuff um and then I, I teach just doing distance education stuff for for regents still i've been doing that for um gosh it's been i want to say like eight years and i, I teach nice. currently in berkeley i teach teach scripture at the dominican school of philosophy and theology which i just i just love it's a fantastic school wow. and it's, it's part of the uh the graduate theological union consortium so it's a, a affiliate with uc berkeley yeah it's incredible man um congratulations by the way in your dissertation and and getting it published it's a that's a great that's a big deal and ivp is a good one to have a publisher too so that's, that's oh a, yeah they're, they're fantastic they've been really I've, I've i have such a high high view of the stuff they're doing so i'm just i'm grateful to have the opportunity yeah that well uh congratulations again man so uh for my for my audience uh we're, we're like i was telling you a little bit we're kind of talking before the show, um, it's a pretty broad audience. Uh, we have some academics tuning in. We have some people who are just pastors and leaders and, and people who just uh, are, you know, people in the church just wanting to get some content to grow. So I'm going to uh, break a little bit of the um, kind of conversation of what old perspective and new perspective is, break it down a little bit, and then I'm going to kind of just dive into um, some main concepts of, of your book. For those of you who may be wondering, okay, what's the old perspective of Paul? Did our perspective of Paul change? When did that happen? I wasn't, I, I didn't, uh, no one told me about that thing. Uh, what, what, basically what um, the old perspective is, is the, the church's view on what Paul was talking about on a certain, uh, a few key topics of, um, you know, the, theology in his letters. And so the view that we have or the view that the church has had has um, changed or has affected the way they do discipleship. It has affected the way they view God and the way they view church and the way they view um, salvation and eschatology and all of these different things based upon really their their perspective of what Paul is saying to the church. And um, over the last couple hundred years, uh, well, I'd say really even within the last hundred years, a lot of scholarship has discovered a lot more about Jewish literature than maybe we knew previously before. And in this discovery, we learned a lot of helpful information about Jewish culture, um, how, the, uh, how, like Dr. Uh, Matthew's going to talk about, how uh, early Christians in, in uh, the early times uh, received these letters, how they were interpreting them, all of that stuff. And so a lot of that has caused a major shift on the way the church is reading um, Paul's letters. And so that's the thing between the old perspective and new perspective is 
is there a better way to interpret? Is there a better way based upon all the information that we have right now to better interpret um, Paul's letters so that we can faithfully follow um, scripture and faithfully, you know, follow Jesus in our life? And so that's kind of the breakdown of the old perspective, new perspective. And so uh, based upon kind of, you know, um, that understanding, uh, Matthew, I just want to get into um, the topic of your book. What what caused you, I know you said you're a little bit passionate, but, but what caused you to... Um, want to study more about this debate. Did you see any implications behind it? Was there something where you realized like, man, this, we need to adjust this. I don't want to just talk about it, but was it your love for the church? I mean, what, what, what caused yeah. you to want to, to want to write the book? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. So, you know, I can actually trace this back to me, me being a boy, you know, middle school, high school, so pretty, pretty young, young kid, uh, you know, to whom, you know, my faith, you know, meant a lot, you know, my background in scripture meant, meant a lot. But, um, you know, I, I also, I just, I try to think through things as, as much as, as much as I could. And so I remember when I was young, um, and, you know, being at, being at a point in high school where I, the, the way that the faith, kind of the faith works dichotomy was presented to me. I really had a lot of difficulty making sense of it. And so the way that the, the paradigm was, was, was presented was that faith is, you know, faith is believing something. So like, I think, I think this, this thing is true. I, you know, I kind of cognitively assent that this is, this is right. Uh, or this is, you know, this is a correct, you know, piece of information. And then works is kind of everything else that's not. <laughs> so anything you might do, any, any sort of, sort of anything else, uh, and so it's a pretty, um, it's, it's a, it's a, a pretty strict kind of, you know, one of these is, is completely passive. The other one is to, you know, is, is active, uh, you know, kind of, kind, kind of paradigm. And that was, you know, when, I, when you get to, you know, see these, these key passages in Paul's letters and, and Romans and Galatians, um, that was the way that what Paul was saying was was presented to me and so it was mm. you know hey you believe this thing and you know you kind of go to heaven nothing else really like nothing else really matters you don't got to worry about you mm. know it is always always works and stuff like it's really, it's, yeah that's not really uh like you know that's 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 not that's not not what it's what it's what it's about and um i re- i remember you know as a as a high school going just trying to trying to kind of make make sense of this and i would go in mm. and i would i would hold that paradigm up to what I, you know, read from say like the old Testament and be like, how does this, how does this match up? Yeah. Like, ah, but it really doesn't seem to match up very well. And then I would look at this hmm. and say like in relation to like Jesus and his words in the gospel hmm. and, um, or like other parts of the new Testament. So say it's whether it's James or, you know, take your pick and it's like, yeah, well, I don't really see, it's not really easy for me to see how that goes and matches up either. And then I would go and I'll look at, this the paradigm as it was presented to me in relation just to Paul himself and to Paul's own letters. Now I'm going to read through seven Paul's letters. I'm like, well, this doesn't really seem it. I can't make sense of this in relation to Paul anyway, like, mm. either. Like I none of yeah. it really seemed seem to make, make sense. And uh for you know, for me, I I really, I really struggled with that. And it was, yeah. you know, it was it was something that you know, when I, you know, I went, I went through a period where it just caused me just to not live by the faith anymore altogether. Wow. Cause it just like, I didn't, this it didn't click. yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't make any, any sense to me. 
And if I, I guess if, if nothing I do really, you know, matters, well, I guess I prayed this prayer one time. <laughs> so even though this, even though the, even though the, the paradigm that I've been given, I can't make any sense of it. Yeah. Evidently this prayer that I prayed is valid. Even if I go and do all those other like bad stuff, yeah. so I'm just going to go and do all this bad stuff that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, um, and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to go and, you know, blame, you know, everything on just like, Hey, you know, every, every, you know, every poor decision that I've, I've made as a result of, you know, uh, you know, not excellent theology teachers or something like that and put, yeah, put things sure. on other people. But that, it is to say that, you know, the, the idea is that, um, you know, that I was, I was presented with, I, I, I took really, I took really seriously. And I, and it, and it was for me a huge stumbling block and not being able to figure out how does, how does this stuff fit, fit together? And so it was interesting because when, you know, when I, when I, you know, kind of when I was in college and I sensed that God was calling me to kind of do, do, you know, more ministry stuff, which I, I didn't do, I didn't do kind of theology stuff or anything like that when I was, when I was an undergraduate, um, that was still one of those areas where for me, I was like, like, I know, I know God has taught me stuff through scriptures and I know that mm-hmm. he, he's, there's, there's the stuff he's just taught me through my life, but I haven't, as far as how to put all these pieces together, I don't necessarily have a great paradigm for that. I can tell you things that I was told growing up, but I can't necessarily give you a really cohesive, clear, like, you know, this is how yeah. all, all the individual elements make sense. And so for, for me, actually, the, the moment that this whole thing got started was um, when I was uh, working at this, this ministry called, called Harbor House in Oakland, um, run, uh, an after school program for kids, which uh, I mean, I just just love. And, um, I was, I was, I had gotten into N.T. Wright's work, um, I think just through some recommendations in a friend. And so I was listening through his, his Romans in a week class. And I, I remember really distinctly, I was in the car and I heard him, he was talking about sort of the, you know, this, 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 this word pistis. And the question is, how do you go and translate this, this word, this word pistis? And he says, yeah, you know, translators aren't, aren't really sure in this particular instance, the way to translate, because this is a word for faith. But it's also the word for faithfulness. And so because it's the word for faithfulness, you translate, I think it's like the Pistis Christu context. They say is the faithfulness of Christ or the mm. you know, faith in Christ, whatever it happens to be. And mm. I remember I was there in the car and I, I darn near crashed that vehicle. Um, because from my standpoint, I had, you know, I'd kind of grown up with be, being told, hey, so faith is one thing. That's kind of a, a believing, you know, whatever over here. And then obedience, works, fidelity, faithfulness. That's the opposite end of the dichotomy. That's the mm. opposite end of the paradigm. So you're justified mm. by, you know, mm. category A and not by category B. You're justified mm. by, you know, mm. by, you know, by, by belief and not by your response or any kind of obedience. And here I am, I'm hearing that the Greek word, that faithfulness and faith are the exact same word. And so that these things I had separated to these opposite sides of this dichotomy they're actually on the same side of the, the dichotomy. They're both in this, you know, this this first this first position. All of a sudden, a bunch of things click. Exactly, a whole bunch of things click, and then a whole bunch of questions come up because it's like, yeah. wait a second, yeah. if that's if that's what Paul is saying, then that that makes sense of a lot of other things in Paul that yeah. where I where to me it seemed like you know Paul was being was being inconsistent like no what he means by pistis by you know by by fidelity by faithfulness by loyalty by you know um you know Matt Matt Bates has 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 a book out talking about how he 
I mean, allegiance. You know, the best way to translate it is, you know, is, is allegiance. And so, you know, is uh, what's this book? Uh, Salvation by Allegiance alone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, you know, it's, it's kind of it's kind of allegiance. I think you know, that, that does the job, you know, pretty, pretty well for Piss. It's like, OK, wait a second. If if this this word faith is way broader than I understood it to be. Yeah. Um, and if this encompasses much more than I, you know, was, was told that, you know, it kind of was, you know, you know, originally in some of the context I was from, then what, what is Paul talking about when he talks about works of the law? What's mm-hmm. he trying to go and set in antithesis to this sort of biblical, again, fill in your words. So faith, you know, allegiance, you know, loyalty, fidelity, uh, what's the thing that he's reacting against when what's the point he's trying to make as far as we we are justified you know by one and not you know the other in Christ mm-hmm. so that for me that immediately got got sort of the you know the little the little hamster in, in my in my head and on the wheel running around in a circle saying I wonder what in the world this actually go, goes and means because uh, clearly you can't have if you have a dichotomy you can't have the same term on both sides of the dichotomy Right. So you can't be justified by faithfulness and, you know, not fidelity or something like that. It's, just, it's yeah. like either yeah. this is unintelligible, <laughs> which I don't, yeah. think, I don't think Paul is unintelligible, or, or the, the target of, of works of the law is, 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 not, is not sort of like everything that you can sort of possibly imagine. Uh, mm. it's, it's, it's more circumscribed. And so mm. that, that's what, you know, when I, when I went up to, to Regent uh, and started studying, that was – that was one of the main things that I was looking at trying to say, okay, you know, the, what, what Wright is talking about, this makes sense of a lot of things in scriptures and, 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 and a lot of sort of tensions within the text that for me, I had, you know, I've been able, unable to figure out how you resolve. I'm like, wait a second, this, that, like, I can, I can read, you know, Paul together with the old Testament and together with Jesus and with James, even just with Paul himself under this, it makes sense. But then the question is, well, what exactly is, what does he mean by works of the law? What's actually the problem with, with works of the law? Yeah. So that is, I know this is getting long winded by the way. No, it's, no, it's okay. The, uh, what, what I ended up, what I ended up doing is I, um, when I, when I was up at region, I, I, the first year that I, I wrote a, or I guess the first semester, I wrote a paper for, for Janet Packer on, on justification, which is looking at, uh, this is, this kind of probably dates the thing a little bit, but this is back in 2010. So when, uh, so John Piper and, and, and T Wright had those those back and forth. Books. Do you, I don't yeah. know if you recall that. I do. So let me pause you real quick, just because yeah. I want I want to catch people up and make sure yep. that they're following you. I do remember that it's a um, they both were writing books towards each other. It was uh, yep. what a time to be alive. So uh, uh, I think what 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 Matthew what doc, what Doctor Thomas is is pointing at here is um, what we know is a common doctrine in the Christian faith is justification by faith. And it's the idea of believing a fact about God to be true. And somehow that believing this thing, this fill in the blank, that this is what happened. I believe this thing. And so I am now credited this righteousness that gets me into heaven and it gets me, you know, I'm good with God and and everything's clear and, I uh, wipe the sweat off my forehead because, man, I'm thankfully uh, God's not counting all this other stuff against me, right? And so uh, I'm good to go. And 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 no, that may sound ridiculous to you, but in a lot of popular preaching, uh, 
that's how the gospel has been demonstrated. Uh, that's how it was preached to me was that um, you got to just believe that Jesus Christ uh, rose from the grave. And if you believe it and confess it and you say this prayer, then you're going to get into heaven and you're going to, everything's going to be good for you. And it's that's because how you of, turned out so well. Yeah. Hey, and, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, listen, uh, there's uh, not all of my life was that great. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> you know, but, um, but but that's what I think that's the thing that and so that's the topic uh, that Matthew re- was wrestling with was okay is the, all I have to do is believe this thing is that what faith is and then so um, what about all this other stuff that I find myself getting caught up in life doing you know these things that I know are not right or all of whatever that other stuff you know and so um, and then you transpose that to the story of the Old Testament and. Um, you know, where God demanded obedience and he demanded, you know, what I shouldn't say demand, but he, 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 he gives Israel a name and he gives his blessing to them and he gives a covenant to them. And he says, be a part of my family and these, and here is the Torah. Here's the law that helps you to learn how to live, uh, as my people and live in covenant with me. And so there's an obedience there. And so we see obedience as being a huge theme in the old Testament. And then all of a sudden we get to the new Testament and uh, we just have to believe something to be true, and we're we're off to heaven. And it just doesn't it just doesn't square with the story of the Bible in a lot of ways if you really study it well. And so I think that that's that's what. If correct me if I'm wrong, but that was was that kind of what you were wrestling with yeah. on your journey. No, that's really that's really well said. And so, um, yeah, thank thank you thank you for sort of giving giving a little, a little summary statement there because I think yeah. that that is is really helpful. So when I was you know when I when I was I, I, you know studying studying stuff. I uh, I really decided to go into try to you know focus on on like studying the works of the law because that was still for me the big question in my mind is what what exactly is it that Paul is you know is reacting against because you know I had I had heard you know from growing up that you know this is this is good works the Jews are they're just saying hey you gotta do good works and and you know Paul saying no don't don't no that's wrong. <laughs> and right, yeah. and so then but for me i'm trying to think how does how does this actually you know how does it all add up because and then you have somebody like right saying that is that's not what works the law means in this context historically you don't find jews going and saying hey you need to go do you know good works for salvation you see them saying you need to get circumcised and observe these food laws and you know practice the sabbath and stuff so you become part of the jewish nation and part of the jewish jewish covenant and that's really the you know the, the debate that's going going on so I'm, you know, trying to wrap, wrap my mind around this and, you know, trying to be, you know, to be fair to both sides best I can. So I first, you know, I uh, did a, uh, you know, did a, did a study kind of, you know, assessing those, those, you know, writing Piper books back, back and forth. <laughs> and then uh, the, the next term I, I, I did a paper that was focusing particularly on the question of works of the law. And so assessing, you know, the, the all the new perspectives on this, on this particular question, and I was, um, I, I remember it was like, like it was yesterday, I was, uh, I was downstairs in the, in the basement at Regent Library, and I, was, I, I picked up uh, Calvin's commentary on Romans. And so I started reading through his commentary on Romans, the Romans you know, 3, then Romans 3.20, uh, you for reckon that, you know, you know justified by, by faith apart from works of the law, and he just kind of goes, you know, the whole, whole thing over there. And he has this line where he, he goes and he says, it is a matter of doubt, even among the learned, what the works of the law mean. Hmm. And, then he, and then he proceeds and he goes and he, he cites, I, I, from a I think it's Origen, Chrysostom, and Jerome. 
um, against his own position. And they say mm. some of these kind of, they kind of confirm it to the ceremonies or something like that. But here's, here's why they're incorrect. And then you, you know, kind of scan down the page a little bit. And then he says in the next paragraph, I'm aware that Augustine has a different position here. And he kind of just briefly alludes to that and says, well, here's why Augustine's wrong. Mm. And then he moves on. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. Mm. I had been, you know, I've been trained by J.I. Packer from, from, you know, to read, you know, read a lot of, of Calvin, uh, mm. who is your kind of key old, old perspective guy. And so I gotten really used to seeing the way that, you know, Calvin's rhetoric works. And so he's always going and bringing the church fathers with him in any disputed question, mm. any church father who happens to be on his side, or even if he thinks, you know, they're kind of on his side, he's always bringing them along and, you know, mm-hmm. inciting him. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm thinking, of course, you know, if, if that's the case on other disputed questions here on this really, really big question, he, he's absolutely going to do that. And I'm like looking at the page, I'm like, going back and forth, like flipping. He, he's not, he's not finding anybody. <laughs> I'm like, am I, am I missing something here? And so hmm. I'm looking all around and just thinking to myself, this is really odd. I cannot remember a single other time when Calvin has not gone and cited a church father in favor of his position. And this is, this is doubly odd because we're calling Calvin's position, the old perspective so this is, you know, this is the old, the old perspective on Paul. When you look at the really old stuff that he himself is drawing on, he's not actually citing anybody in his favor. And he's actually doing the opposite. He goes and he cites all of these other church fathers and say, they all have this wrong position. And as I'm looking at what they're saying, I'm like, well, that sounds a little bit what, like what N.T. Wright goes and says, where, mm. you know, who is supposed to be this new perspective guy. And so I thought, mm-hmm. this, I wonder if you looked in the early reception of this, if you were to look in the earliest church fathers and those who were, you know, closest to Paul's own, own own context for whom, you know, they, they know this stuff as like, you know, lived experience and memory. Yeah, They're not yeah. like just picking up a sort of a book off a shelf. and like, Oh, I wonder what's that about. It's like, you know, it's part of their, you know, their, their own context and history. I wonder what they would, you know, how they interpret it. And so I, I immediately just went and this is, again, this is just for a master's level paper. I just started, you know, reading through the early church fathers to see, you know, what I would find and what, you know, how they seem to, you know, interpret works of the law. And what I what I found is that what these figures were saying sounded a lot like what we're calling the new perspective, and then what we're calling the old perspective. I wasn't able to find in these really these really old old sources, and so um, that's kind of you know that's uh, I mean the, the, for for me for me the, the payoff and you know in, in this this research and do, doing this material has been. I feel like from from studying, you know, Paul's early readers, I feel like my own understanding of his his theology has been enriched so much. And I feel like I'm able to understand what he's doing, what he's saying, the way he's doing it and how all the logic works so much better than I ever, ever was on my own. So that's I mean, that's the main thing that I'm you know I'm grateful for in all this. But secondarily, that sort of like the icing on the cake is that what <laughs> and this is kind of sort of the, the funny part is we've been calling this thing the, the new perspective you know, for a few, a few decades here, where if you look in the, you know, the actual, uh, you know, the actual really old stuff, it's the same thing that they're saying. And we've been calling something else, the old perspective, which at least in relation to, you know, the early Christian tradition is, is comparatively new. So this whole thing has been standing on its head. And it's actually kind of interesting because there's a sense in which if we, even if we, all we had was just John Calvin, if even, if all we had was just his writings, I think that we would have enough there to kind of go off of to have a sense of, yeah, he's, 
you know, with, with his particular way of, of, you know, interpreting Paul here that, uh, he's setting that in, you know, in distinction to the, you know, the, the prior reading tradition that's there, both, you know, with these other figures and then with, you know, with, with, with Augustine as well. So that's, that's some of the story and where this, this all, all, all came from. And what a journey, man. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a, re- well, one, that sounds like it'd probably be a really fun kind of uh, rewarding journey because you're thinking of uh, all of these different perspectives that you learned along the way, which is probably really good for you and your, and you kind of your, uh, your, your studying of it um, helps you really get into the mind of uh, maybe the second century or maybe even just, you know, the, the second temple period in general probably, you know, was a, was a big thing. So here's the, here's what I want to kind of focus on in your, in your book. And you may be asking yourself, okay, well, why does this matter? Um, it matters a lot. It matters a lot because, um, one of the key verses I think that, uh, really kind of comes into play on this debate is, uh, the idea that we're saved by our faith alone, not by our works. And the, the debate is, are we talking about going to heaven? Are we talking about, you know, uh, being a Christian? Um, are we talking about being forgiven? Uh, what are we talking about here? What does that mean to be saved? And what does it mean? What is, like you said, the works of the law? And and I think the idea is that Christians in, in general struggle with the idea of grace to begin with because we don't live in a very gracious world, right? We don't live in a world where you could do something wrong and people are just quick to forgive you. So where we know judgment, we know you know what that what happens when you do something wrong something bad happens back to you you know uh in in one way or another so the idea of a god um forgiving us and redeeming us and giving us life that's a very very foreign idea to so many people and it, I'll be honest with you most christians especially early on in their journey they struggle with the idea of has God really forgiven you? Uh, are you really saved? You know, how do you know? And that keys up a whole another world of debates, you know, uh, well, can you lose your salvation? Uh, you know, do I always have it? And, and it's, and, and you, it, and you go on this anxious journey of where am I at with, with life? Where am I at with God? And, and, and this, this topic of what does faith mean and what is what does it mean to be saved by our faith right when you when you work it out it actually brings a lot of clarity and peace to your to your own life because now you're seeing God in a whole different picture. Now his grace makes a whole lot more sense. Now his willingness to work you through a situation and develop you, it makes a lot a whole lot more sense because you're seeing a more accurate picture of who God is. What does the God of the Bible look like? And so um it it makes it it does there's a lot of implications as to why um this debate really matters. And I personally I am on the line of I I think that um there's more to faith than in the way Paul was using it than just believing. I think that he was using um, a lot of, he was pulling from a lot of the covenant faithfulness language we could find from the old Testament. And, you know, the old Testament was really Paul's world. And so that's kind of where I land on it is he's, you know, that hasn't changed, right? Uh, got our response to God, you know, hasn't changed in a lot of ways. You know, he's the still, he's still the same God. The only difference is now we have 
uh, the blood of Jesus, and and we have uh, redemption, and we have new creation, and so these things we're on a uh, we have a lot more uh, going for us than maybe we did prior to. But God is still God, and we're still His people, and so. Um, with all that, with all that being said, what are some of the verses you think that maybe we could talk about today? Um, maybe pick one or two that you've worked on, um, and let's let's give maybe some of the old perspective on that. What does that mean? And then maybe yeah. offer a different perspective on that. Yeah. Um, if I if I can briefly, I think you know with some some of what you know what, what, what you're getting at. So just thinking like, hey, the the broader paradigm of how how does this all work? Yeah, maybe maybe I, maybe I can go in and, and pull on a couple of things that that you're saying there. Yeah, please, please do. Look at look at a couple, couple verses because I think yeah. there's a, there's a lot that's valuable that you that you you know you, you put put forward there. Yeah. Um, one one of the passages that I I find myself coming back to a lot is um is in in in, in Matthew 18 where you have the the parable of the unmerciful servant, mm. um, which is really interesting because you both have this there's a really extreme sort of salvation by grace. And there's also still there a, a kind of a judgment or an accountability according to works. That's, that's both there. And both of, <laughs> if you look in that par, you know, that, in that, in that, in that parable, uh, they're, 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 they're both, they're both really extreme. Uh, Jesus goes and, you know, he turns, he turns the, you know, the dial up to 11 on, on both of those. And so, uh, you, uh, I mean, you, you, you have, you have a guy who, you know, he owes a debt of, I don't know, the modern equivalent of a bazillion dollars. I don't know. It's huge. If you actually look at, you know, right. if you get it, if you get a real new Testament, an, un- an unpayable debt, basically. Yeah. It is not payable. There is, <laughs> yeah. he has no chance of yeah. going and, 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 and paying this thing. And what, what does he have to do? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't really have any works to go and give. He doesn't have any, any way to go and go and repay him at all. All he goes is he, you know, he humbles himself and begs for his mercy. That's the only thing mm. that he that he that he can go go and do. It's the only thing he can, he can go and contribute. Is he just he just asks for mercy, mm. and this king goes and he forgives him. He forgives them this absurdly, incredibly unpayably large debt, um, just because he just asked he asked for for for, for mercy. And I think mm. there's. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're thinking of, you know, how does all the kind of faith works of law, everything, you know, go, go kind of, how, how, how does, how does this all, you know, fit together in a broad, kind of broader biblical theology? I think that's, that's one of the things that is, is helpful is no matter whether you're talking about, you know, you know, works of the law in the sense of, you know, you know, being the Torah or circumcision or anything like that, or any other kind of works, it's not as though like we go and we, we do a bunch of charitable works so that God will look at us and say, all right, you finally got your act together. Now I'll go and I'll show you some mercy. Um, yeah, no, like yeah. <laughs> there's an unpayable debt that's there. That's not, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we, we, we come into that state of, of mercy with, with God. We come into that, mm. you know, that the relationship yeah. of mercy, that relationship of grace, um, you know, by, by asking him, by him, you know, by us going confessing, saying help and him going and showing, showing mercy to us and, and, you know, and, and, for, and forgiving us. Um, if you look on the other side of that, what does that servant do? Mm. That servant, he completely ignores the gift that was given. Mm. Um, and not only does he, does he not kind of, you know, go and do, do likewise, he goes and he takes somebody, you know, who owes him, you know, a 
equivalent of like five bucks and goes in and has him thrown in jail for, for not going and, you know, paying, paying him back. So it's not like a, Hey, you're not even doing, you're not doing the great thing that God did for you. You're not even doing on it like a tiny, not thing. even a little bit. <laughs> the, the, the incredible thing that God has done and get, you know, done, done for you. And that's the equivalent of even the pagans are better than you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so the, and, and so what's, what's interesting is you go and you look at that and the only, the only thing left for that, for that unmerciful servant is severe judgment. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way that, that, that parable ends is, you know, he, he's, he's, he's tossed, he's tossed in jail and he's going to, you know, he's going to be there until he pays back the last penny, which we tell you that's not happening anytime yeah. soon. It's, yeah. it is not, it does not turn out well for him. And the whole point is that God's grace is meant to be transformative mm. and it, it really is transformative. Mm. It's like if you if you have you know ex- experienced God God's grace, wow. um, it it really does stuff in your life. It really goes and you know changes us, mm. you know from from people who are, you know who are unrighteous into, into into people who are you know who are new creations. We go and you take the the language that you're you're talking about, you know that, that Paul goes and uses, and that's what that's what it all you know it's all about. So you know the the, the you know what you uh, yeah 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 the end of. Yeah, and, and the Galatians. So neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but yeah. becoming and, a new creation. And that's, let's tr- let's let's break that down a little bit more because that's 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 a great man. I've never honestly, I've never heard that uh, used in that way. Uh, were you? Do I need to let you finish the thought, or are you? Oh no! If you if you've got if you've got something going go on go on and run with it. Okay. All right. Um, so what I wanted to kind of add to that is the idea that God's grace is transformative. Um, that's such a helpful way of looking at our, our, our relationship with God, because when you, when you break down faith as our faithfulness to God, um, as our, our, I guess, like, like N.T. Wright would say, our covenant faithfulness, our, our, our loyalty to him, um, as the response to a grace that was already given to us. So we're not doing something good. And then he's like, okay, I'm giving you grace. And now you got to listen to me for him. You know, he, he's using kind of a similar of a situation of, of Israel and Egypt crying out, you know, and, and, and him redeeming them and bringing them to a place and making them a nation. And then he gives them a law, but the grace and the redemption and the, and the Exodus in general all happened prior to the law. So they didn't, the, the law wasn't saying, okay, do this and I'm going to rescue. They've already rescued, you know, they were already redeemed. They were already God's grace was already in action, right? And so uh, this this thing that started over here is now supposed to flow through them to the nations of the world, right? And so that that is very similar on a smaller scale, your own individual life. None of us got it right, you know, to, to the point where we could say, you know, we earned our salvation. I think everyone's in agreement with that. But it's not just that you're good to go to, uh, and now you're good to go to heaven because there's no multiplication in your life now. Now you're just one person who's redeemed, and when you die, you're going to go to heaven, right? But what about your life being a blessing to the nations, right? What about your life being a redemptive work where God is 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 lighting up, uh, literally lighting up the world by your uh, your own discipleship and your own transformation in your life? And so I think uh, what you said right there is so crucial. And if you could just let that sit in your heart that uh, God's grace is meant to not only be transformative for your own life, which it absolutely is, 
but also for the lives of those around you, right? And also the uh, the people in the community, like you know, John talks about, or, or and Paul talks about how the bodies um, build each other up, and we are uh, connected to each other, and and disconnected from the body, you're disconnected from your purpose, but connected to the body, you not only God's love not only flows out of you, but also into you as the body builds us up to builds itself up together in love, and so I think. What you said, I just wanted to kind of uh, mill on that thought for a second because there's so much truth in that, that God's grace is meant to be transformative, which means your actions and your character does matter. It doesn't, it not in a sense of, oh, you this is going to be the thing that's going to get you into heaven or not, more of your life as a part of God's story of God redeeming the world. And, and that's what your salvation is all about. It's not about just going to the other side of the gate. It's about the mission of God redeeming the world. And he's redeeming the world through his people. The church is for the world what Jesus was for Israel, right? Where, where we are the people that God is redeeming through. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that thought. No, I, I absolutely. I mean, think again, just look at that line, you know, in Galatians, you know, the whole point is, is actually, you know, God make us into that, into that new creation. Mm, that's so good. That's, that's it. I mean, that's what it's, that's, that's what it's all about. And, you know, for, for Paul, you know, everything else is relative, but that's, that's the one thing that really matters. And, you know, so you look to Philippians for that, you know, where it goes and says, you know, work out your salvation, you know, with fear and trembling, where it is the spirit of God that, you know, work within you. Uh, it's, it's like you, you, you have that. It's not like, you know, Hey, you know, go, or, you know, go, go, go and be good. Uh, it's, it's actually, you know, God has gone in and, and given his spirit to you mm-hmm. so that, you know, now in him, you, you are really able to be made into this, this new thing. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of the deal because it's, mm-hmm. it's the new creation itself, which, I mean, that's how, that's really how evangelism works. You can go give somebody a tract on the street and be like, great, fantastic, more information. Wonderful. I, I have plenty of information out there. Yeah. When you see it in real life, you see somebody who is a new creation. Mm. They don't even necessarily, you don't even have to be able to speak the same language. They don't have mm. to, you know, know, they don't have to know a lick of English. You come across somebody who God's spirit is actually made into a new creation mm. and you have, you have evidence that is not easily deniable. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what it that's what it's about is is about you know you know working out you know uh, the salvation that god is, has has worked in us you know with fear and trembling because it's just, you know it's a spirit that works you know works inside of us um i think uh i i, I just wanted to to piggyback on one other thing that you're you know saying as well so with, with with the word word believe um you know it's it's really interesting in english english is you know it's a, a funny, funny language and the different ways that we can use you know, we can take one word and have it in, in one context. It kind of functions in a certain kind of way. Other contexts, you know, functions other kinds of ways. And so using, you know, believe for the word faith, you know, there can be something that's frustrating there. And that, mm. uh, you know, it, 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 if you look at, you know, if you, if you just, just open a, a Greek dictionary and say, hey, what does pistis mean? Like, well, this is, this is a much, a much bigger sort of thing than mm. we usually, or at least in a lot of contexts, you know, mm. un- understand, you know, by, by believe, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean that there's no sense in which the word, the word believe can't, you can't, can't, can't be a good way of, you know, conveying what it is. I think that, you know, that, that's, that, that's scripture is, you know, saying here. And so if you were to, I mean, if you use like an analogy, you know, on, on the one hand, 
if we're saying you, the, the the problem with the word believe would be if you say like you know if you're saying okay well do you believe in the santa claus do you believe in the easter bunny do you believe in jesus christ um if you have it in that kind of sense well then you're probably missing it because yeah. you know the scripture isn't particularly interested in sort of you know whether you cognitively you know yeah you know believe that there is an existence of that and if you look at james it's like yeah well you know the demons believe that there's a god like how much how is that how well is that working out for them yeah Uh, so that doesn't seem to be that the interest you know uh whether of you know of of paul in particular or scripture scripture in general but if you think of for, for me i um if, if you think of like a, like, you know, like a, like a sports analogy is so say like, say, say like, say you're playing a basketball game and say you're used to going, you're sitting on the bench and it's the fourth quarter and you're down by a couple points or whatever. And the coach goes and he picks you up off the bench and he goes and he puts you in there and he says, Hey, I want the ball in this kid's hands. If you were describing that, you would say, wow, the coach really believed in me right here. Mm. And when in saying the coach believed in me, he's not saying that doesn't mean either. Mm. Well, he, you know, he believed I existed. Well, he probably did, but that's not what you're actually getting at. Yeah. Nor does it mean like, Oh, theoretically, I, you know, I think he probably could, you know, hit a three point or whatever, but I'm just yeah. going to leave him over there. Cause he's, you know, small and skinny and I, you know, nobody really knows who he is. Uh, if you say in that situation, you know, coach, the coach believed in me, it means no, he went and he put the ball in my hands in that situation. Mm. There was only, there's only one option there. He put the ball in my hands and he said, Hey, I trust you to go and to do this thing here. And you're, you, you are the guy who I believe is going to go and come, come through. And mm. I'm entrusting myself in a sense to, to you here. If you, if you get that, I mean, it's this, the, the analogy devolves into something sort of lame where, you imagine Jesus Christ is like a, you know, basketball player and we throw Jesus the ball and he hits a three pointer or something like that. So I don't, it kind of, the, the, the wheels sort of fall off the analogy, but there's <laughs> something that's like that where it's like that sense of, Hey, when, you know, everything's on the, on the line and you go and you say, Hey, you, I, I believe in you right now. That then means that we're trusting you to go and to do this, you know, do this thing that nobody else can. And us trusting you doesn't yeah. just mean like theoretically, it means no, we are, we're putting this in your hands and that sense of, of believing. If we say, Hey, we believe in God in that sense. Mm. That's that actually, boy, that's, that gets a, that, that really gets at a lot of what, yeah. you know, what the word pisses means because it gets at the underlying sort of relational Correct. trust that's there. So yes. for me, you know, if I, if I'm, if, if you force me on most days of the week to pick, you know, one English word to go and to correspond with, you know, what, what you find, you know, in scripture for, you know, for, for pisses, I'll, I'll, I'll usually say trust. Because mm. trust goes and gets at the interior, you know, the, the interior sort of relation to God, which then expresses itself in this, you know, exterior, you know, f- fidelity and loyalty and, you know, everything. And, yeah. and if you have that sense, then yeah, believe can be a, a good way of saying that too. You just have to figure out how to lock that off from sort of the Easter Bunny language and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we struggle with that. I mean, well, you know, uh, the Enlightenment changed a whole lot about the way we look at um the easter just, bunny in general yes uh we turned we would almost like we went we 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 became cold and calculated and this is this and 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 systematic in what we believe and logical and in and, and, and that they thought that this is the greatest thing that's going to save the world right and so but it changed the way we view information in general to the point where 
most people struggle reading scripture because they they think that way. They think, oh, this is this is cold hard history. This is all facts, and this and and if and if the idea of a parable, um, well, this didn't happen. Well, okay, then how does that deliver truth if this didn't happen, right? And so it's our our minds. We we literally can't. We have to undo a lot of our own culture for us to get into you know and into the culture of you know Israel and and the ancient Near East and all that stuff and I think you're hitting on some of that is uh, when we think of belief uh, most of us we think just there's a logical calculation and the thing that you're given to God is okay you've calculated it in your mind he is tr- he is real and that's what you're giving him but um, the the level of trust, like you like you were just saying, is more of our whole being of everything that matters really to me in my life rests in that place of where I trust from, right? And I think that we all could agree if we look at our own personal life or we look at the Christians that we know or, or the people that we experience in people who've wholeheartedly given their their lives to follow Jesus, you know it. You see transformation in their life. You see God's hand on their life. You don't. You don't need to go on a debate, or you don't need to read a book to see. It. It's on display. New creation is on display. I have yet to meet somebody who wholeheartedly trusts God and follows them who does not display some sort of spiritual, supernatural, you know, presence in their life by just their own life. And so we know it's true by the way we see other Christians' lives. So when when we Think of the idea of, okay, we're justified by faith, and really think about that. Ask yourself a question. Is it really enough in your life to experience freedom for you just to believe something to be true? Or did you have to hit a point where God brought you redemptively through either a a hard moment in your life, either a time where you were at a crossroads, or either at a time where you had to really, really work it out in your whole being of... Are you ready to follow Jesus? Are you ready to experience this freedom that the pastor was telling you about or wherever, whatever scenario that you were in? What would it have been enough for you, you know, talking to the Christians who follow Jesus, would it have been enough for you just to say what he said I believe is true and, and would, would that have been enough for you to experience transformation or did it take more from you in that moment? to 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 deliver not only trust but say hey I want to follow you and from your the core of who you are and I think that when we track this whole debate down that's what it gets that's what it boils down to is w- what is what is a part of this thing following Jesus is it just believing these things to be true or is it more than that is it is it more of like the trust and loyalty that um Dr. Thomas is talking about um and so I want to encourage you guys to go and pick up this book. And we're not over, but this is an important debate. And it's one I'm particularly passionate about, which is why I've been excited about talking to you. Um, because it's just, there's so much implication as to how we view Paul's letters. So before, I hate this because every time I have a good conversation, we get close to the to the end. And I, you know, and I have to say bye and I wish I could talk a little bit more. But we have a little bit more time. Can you? Do you want to maybe go over uh, one more scripture or or leave us with something that you feel is important and then um, 
We're not going to be able to get the full of the book, but I really am wanting everybody to listen to go get this book. Go buy it because if this debate is intriguing to you or if this conversation, I, I should say, is is intriguing to you, there's so much more in that book that you, that you can really get into and work out. Um, so uh, is there – go ahead. No, absolutely. So maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll do two two things briefly. I'll go and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll go to the, the question that you have brought up a second ago as far as, you know, kind of one, one of the scripture and then just just say a word, you know, briefly about, about the book, book itself. The with the uh, if you look certain sort of kind of broader paradigm we've been talking about, you have you got everything that's that's, that's kind, of, kind of there as far as, you know, you know, faith and you know, works, judgment, you know, salvation, all, all those things. Then you have then you have works of the law, and works of the law is a term that only goes and shows up in two places in Paul's in Paul's letter, two places of scripture it shows up in, in Romans and Galatians, and both the times it's in the context of this back and forth of Jew and Gentile. So Jew this, you know, Gentile this, you know, are Jews any better off you know than, than Gentiles, you know, or if you think in Galatians, you know, you you know Peter, you know, even though you're kind of acting like a Jew or not, you know, you're not living as Jew anymore. Why are you compelling them to live live like Jews? You know, for, you know, we know that, you know, was, you know, justified by faith apart, you know, or, you know, apart from works of the law. And so that that's the context in which this goes and shows up. And so if you, so as far as saying, well, what, what's, what's actually going, going on here? If you look in the, the early reception of, of this term, um, it, it centers around the Mosaic law itself, which would make sense in the context of these Jew-Gentile contexts, because the question is, you know, do these Gentiles who are coming into the church now, do they have to go and obey the Mosaic law? Do they have to go and do the practices that, you know, that constitute or have constituted the people of God up to this point? And the, the key things that really stick out are the things that are, you know, your, so your, 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 your covenant, uh, you know, markers that indicate that you're, you're part of the Jewish people. So you, you, you practice the food laws, you, you know, you, you observe Sabbath keeping, you're, you're, you're circumcised. And uh, the 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 reasoning that's there, and the argument that you you know, the, or some of the arguments you go and you find against that is that no, like there is a new covenant now, and so mm. because there is a new covenant, it means that m- the Mosaic law is made relative in the sense that the law of Christ. So what it is that Christ now ordains, this goes and takes precedence. So not that everything that Moses said is, you know, is, is, is lame or whatever like that. But if you have a new covenant come in, if this, this does, if you, you don't hang on to the old law, you know, covenant, covenant law go, go, go together. And so if this is actually the thing that, you know, that, you know, all the promises, of the old Testament have been pointing towards, and this is, you know, what, what, you know, we get in Jeremiah 31 or Deuteronomy 30 or oh, it, take, take your pick. I mean, from all of the promises, of the old Testament, if this is it, then this actually is going to go and affect a restoration in humanity. And with that restoration in humanity, so again, think of, you know, Deuteronomy 30, you know, the circumcision of the heart, for example, um, or, you know, the stuff you get, what, you know, Ezekiel uh, in, what is it, from 30 to 36, all, all the incredible stuff that you get, get, get over there, there as well. Um, if this is actually it, well, the law of Moses was given because of the hardness of people's hearts, right? And that's, that's, that's when it goes and shows up is when you have the golden calf there in the desert, everybody goes and, you know, you know, they, they disobey him. You know, Paul goes and gets this. Why is the law going to show up? Well, it was added on account of transgressions. 
Well, what does that mean? Well, because the whole people rebelled. They're in this terrible condition after they came out from, you know, from Egypt. They're, you know, the whole, the whole nation was in this hard-hearted state. And what has God done now? What did he promise? He did. He promised that he was going to circumcise our hearts. He promised mm. that he was going to go and to, you know, take our, our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. If he has actually gone and done that, then the prescriptions of the Mosaic law are now unnecessary. It's now, it's this new prophet like Moses, who's, you know, who was, who was promised. It's now whatever he says in institutes that is going to go into, you know, be what we have to do. And when you, when you get that and you see how that logic works, that goes and that helps you to see one, why, you know, works of the law and discretions like this, they only show up in a couple of places because it is in a sense, a more circumscribed debate related to the, you know, the, the Jew Gentile question. It also helps you to see why Paul goes and gets so, uh, let's put this diplomatically, why he gets so angry in Galatians. Um, if you think of you know Galatians 5, when he says, wow, I really wish these guys would castrate themselves. Yes. Like that, I mean, usually in most like conversations, that's not the kind of thing that you say to people. We think, what? Why is it that, why is it that Paul gets like this? What is he, what is he, what, what puts him in this position? And why for us does this constitute inspired scripture? To hear Paul saying, I wish these guys would castrate themselves. Well, that's a good yeah. question. And here's the answer. The answer is if you go and you insist upon the Mosaic law continuing to be observed, what that means is that you have denied that the prophet like Moses, who is going to go and institute the new covenant, you're denying that he's coming. That he's mm-hmm. coming. You're denying yeah. that he's here. So you're denying that Christ himself is actually the Messiah. You're saying, no, he's not. We have to go and keep doing what Moses yeah. did. We're still waiting for another guy to go and yeah. to, you know, bring yeah. a new covenant, you know, institute the new law, kind of do everything. So it's not this guy. So we have to keep doing the circumcision, all this other stuff. Sorry, sorry, Jesus. Well, if if that's what you've done, you Paul isn't exaggerating when he says you have cut yourself off from Christ. Like mm. you really have, because you're yeah. saying, no, he's not actually this promised authority who is going to go by his spirit and, you know, and affects this transformation in us. You just say, Oh no, none of that matters. Let's just go. Let's just, you know, continue with the, the Sabbath thing and that'll, that'll go and do it. And for Paul, it's like, no, if you, if you do that, you, you just literally you've denied everything. Mm. So that, you know, having, having an understanding of this gives you some sense of, you know, why it is that, you know, Paul, Paul's not exaggerating in Galatians five when he goes and says, you know, you've, you've cut yourself off from Christ if you go back to insisting upon the mosaic legislation because that hard-heartedness that the mosaic legislation was given for god has now healed that in christ and if you don't actually have it but boy you don't like you don't have anything and that would make sense on that would make sense him being upset because from antioch that was really on his first missionary journey right was was to galatia so these would have been some of his first pagan territories he he would have been going into and seeing new creation kind of birthing from from that you know would have been an exciting thing right like wow look at look what god's doing you know these people who were you know uh in the idol in the bondage of idolatry are now being set free by the spirit. So you're seeing this kind of movement. And then, you know, and then here comes your brothers from, <laughs> who should be, you know, who should be on the same team, right? You're you're doing the same thing. They're coming in and just and ruining it. They're almost like ruining all the the work that you just put in and and getting them all lost. And and so that that's kind of a little bit where the passion comes from in Galatians. He's like, hey, you guys are messing it all up right 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, I mean, so, stuff like that, you know, I, I really appreciate from the standpoint of just having, have, you know, having had a chance to study, you know, just, you know, the early church and the early readers of Paul over the past, you know, uh, you know, number of years now, just in, in helping me to un- understand, you know, the, it, within the immediate context where, where Paul is coming from and how all the, all the logic fits, fits together. So for me, I'm really grateful for that. So, I mean, if I can, the, the, the best plug that I can give for the book is that there's none of my own ideas there. I have oh, wow. nothing. There's nothing that you'll go <laughs> and say like, Oh wow. Like, Hey Matt thought of something. something. I don't, there's nothing. I, I, I literally, there, there isn't anything I've, I've tried to go into, you know, look at, I've tried to summarize kind of the old and new perspectives just so the reader has, has a sense of those things. And then, you know, historically yeah. I've, I've just gone through all these, you know, these documents in early Christianity that have material related to the kinds of stuff that Paul's talked about in Romans and Galatians and saying, mm. what is it actually that Paul's talking about? And so for, you know, for me, what's, what's fun is that even though, uh, even though I'm looking, I'm kind of looking through all of early Christianity through this one lens, it's just really been an education in early Christianity in general, which mm. is just a blast. And it's mm. so, so inspiring. And um, I, so, you know, if, if there's, if there's something I, you know, I, I can say for it is that as far as, you know, an introduction to the writings of the you know, early church and just seeing, mm. you know, what early Christianity looks like, I, I find the material. And it's, I mean, it's funny cause I can, I can look through, you know, my own book and be like, wow, I find this really edifying because I didn't actually, <laughs> the ideas aren't mine. <laughs> I'll just pick it up and I'll read the stuff from Irenaeus. I'm like, boy, that's really good. I don't know why my name is on the cover of this book because I, <laughs> I, can't, I have no credit. But, it, but it's helpful though. Honestly, uh, it, this is helpful because if you're, if you're wanting to really have a good ground on the debate of the old perspective and new perspective, and you're wanting to have the resources to make your own your own choice on what you feel is right, I guess you could say, or or, or how you choose to want to approach the the debate or scripture in general. You kind of made it all accessible, right? So it's not like you got to do. Matter of, it's almost like you put in all the hard work, right? You did all the searching and the digging and in in the copying and the summarizing. You put it all together, and you're like, hey, here's my uh, you know, here is what you need to really make a decision on what do you believe? You know, what do you, what do you, what do you think about this debate? And so I, th- I find it extremely helpful that you did that. And that I'm sure a lot of people will as well. And I think if you're interested in any of the conversation that we're having, um, and even just to know a little bit more about it, I would encourage you to go pick up, um, Matthew Thomas's book. It's called Paul, Paul's works of the law in the perspective of second century reception. Uh, and it's such, again, and this is, um, I'm not just saying this, uh, I mean this um, because I care about you as my listeners. This is an important idea to wrestle with. Uh, what does it mean when Paul says we're justified by faith? What does it mean to believe in God? All of these things are extremely important to work out in your mind, to th- to think deeply about. Matthew, you've made an amazing contribution to the world of giving us this book because I really feel it's a lot of people are going to find this a helpful resource to to go through and 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 think deeper on this topic, man. So thank you. Thank you for the book. Yeah, praise, praise God, man. I just honestly, I, you know, I, when I was going through this, I had a lot of long, dreary days in the library <laughs> going and trying to, trying to, you know, put, Put all this all this stuff together and i think you know for me the 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 prayer that I was just consistent that just helped you know helped me to kind of continue to you know go through is i would just come across it I'm like lord 
I really, I really think this stuff, I really think this stuff can help folks. Cause I'm like looking at it, it's like, this just makes, helps me to understand these things so, so much. And so that was sort of the prayer and conviction that the Lord kept, you know, kept giving me, Hey, this, just keep, just keep working on this. This can be helpful for folks. Well, so, well, I mean, Matt, you know, praise, yeah. praise God if it, if it, if it does that. Matthew, coming from somebody who has benefited spiritually in my own connection and my own relationship of following Jesus, um, N.T. Wright and some um, some other guys uh, have opened, were the original kind of guys who opened my idea mm. to reading Paul's letters in a better way, and it changed so much about my life. And even pastorally, you know, in the way, you know, I'm able to help people understand the gospel, a lot of it comes from me being affected by looking at Paul differently than from when mm. I grew up, you know, and the Bible just makes a whole lot more sense to me, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think it will for a lot of people if they actually put some time into thinking this, you know, this through. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God for that. Yeah. So I'm excited to get a copy of the book. I, I got this printed out script, uh, manuscript, and you can see right here, I got, you know, all this stuff. I love it. <laughs> stuff like that. So I got the print, but I can't wait to actually have the one I could put in my library. But um, I'm, I'm going to pick up a copy. Listen, guys, I encourage you to pick up a copy. It's going to be um, out on October 20th, I believe, right? Is that the date? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so going to be out. Uh, October 20th it comes out pre-order it uh, share it post it um, it's going to be uh, a great book I already went through some stuff and some great content in there uh, Matthew uh, we I know we didn't get a whole lot of time to, to work through a lot of the book but maybe I can have you have you on again soon and we can do like a part two or something oh, absolutely yeah but in the meantime uh, appreciate you taking the time to be out on the show man and, uh, and thank you so much for the hard work again I know it must have been tons of days and nights to put this thing together but you real i really mean it bro uh you've you've given us a contribution with this book and and it's going to help a lot of people so thank you for doing that man thank you man praise god for his help that's all it's <laughs> the only way you persevere stuff like this so thank you thank you for tuning in to the michael carroll discipleship podcast make sure to share this episode with your friends and also follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at mcarrollnow have a great day until next time